What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. <laughs> Welcome, friends and enemies. Welcome to Exploring Evil, where we bring you stories of the wild, wicked, and depraved. If you haven't already done so, click the subscribe button so you won't miss a single episode. If you have a case suggestion or just need to comment on something, email me at exploringevil at gmail.com and I will respond. Tonight's case was suggested by Emilio in Los Angeles. Thanks, Emilio. This is a wild tale, so thanks for the suggestion. I hadn't heard about this case, but it is beyond bizarre, and it's rare that you can pinpoint a turning point in someone's life that flips the switch, so to speak. If the paranormal is right down your alley, check out my other podcast, Cryptique where my co-host Ryan and I discuss all things paranormal, and we recently put out an episode on a Mexican demon. You could say tonight's show is also about a Mexican demon, so let's dig into another episode of Exploring Evil. Imagine, you're spending your golden years winding down the days, praying the rosary, and visiting with friends from church. You live in a safe part of the very cosmopolitan Mexico City. It's another bright and sunny afternoon as you pass time reading a novel in your flower garden. The birds are chirping and there's a cool breeze blowing as you sip on an iced tea. Then the doorbell rings. Who could it be? Maybe your daughter is popping in for a surprise visit with your beautiful grandchild. You answer the door and find a sweet middle-aged woman dressed in business attire. She flashes a government ID and says she's come to talk to you about your government benefits and a few extra dollars couldn't hurt, so you invite her in. You notice she's very muscular for a woman, but pay it no mind. You offer her an iced tea and she accepts. You turn to pour her a glass, hear a rustling, and feel a phone cord wrap around your neck and tighten as it cuts off your oxygen supply. You fight, but he is much too powerful to be a woman. Your world goes black as you stare blankly at the picture of you, your daughter, and your granddaughter framed above the kitchen table as your last gasps for air escape. But you are just another victim in a gruesome streak of murders that has claimed the lives of up to 48 elderly ladies in Mexico City. This is the case of La Mata Viejitas, the little old lady killer, and this is Exploring Evil. Mexico City, 2002, the city of palaces, population 18 million plus the most populous city in North America. But between 1998 and 2006, at least one person did their best to reduce a certain segment of that population. That's right, there was a serial killer, or killers, plying their grisly trade. 
Elderly ladies were being strangled in their homes at an alarming rate. The incidences of femicides, or women being murdered simply for being a woman, was 3.2 per 100,000 inhabitants. In a city of 18 million, that's a lot of people. A 2015 city government report found that two of three women over the age of 15 in Mexico City have suffered some form of violence. While the violence against women in Mexico City is rising, there is still a large number of incidents of kidnappings and killings that go undetected and unreported due to the alleged corruption in the police department. In the case of the old lady killer, the police theorized that it was a man committing the murders. By November 2005, the Mexican authorities were reporting witness statements to the effect that the killer wore women's clothing to gain access to the victim's apartments. It meant months were spent detaining and questioning transvestite prostitutes in the area. In an article in The Guardian from November 21, 2005, Joe Tuckman reported, Police in Mexico City have warned that a serial killer believed to have strangled at least 24 elderly women in the capital since 2003 is likely to strike again soon. Police say the murderer, dubbed Maraviajitas, or Little Old Lady Killer, is probably a man dressed as a woman who cons his way into homes by pretending to be a social worker or a nurse. With the killings getting closer together over the past year, there is concern that another murder is overdue. Specific fears about dates stem from the killer's activity on November 17, 2003 and on November 19 of the previous year. This is not mere speculation, the head of the inquiry, Renato Salas, told a press conference. Mr. Salas urged women over 60, living alone, to avoid talking to strangers. He urged the public to watch out for elderly relatives or neighbors accompanied by unfamiliar people. He denied a report that police had hired old women to loiter in shopping malls and parks to trap the killer. The police have been heavily criticized for dismissing evidence of serial murders as media sensationalism until this summer, and then for a, quote, ham-fisted swoop on transvestite prostitutes. Police are accused of importing their profile into the case instead of just following the facts. Meanwhile, Lucha Libre or Mexican masked wrestling events were still going strong in and around Mexico City. But we'll get to that after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey friends and enemies, I want to tell you about my other podcast. It's called Cryptique, and my co-host Ryan and I discuss the paranormal, hidden history, forbidden knowledge, and otherworldly beings. You can be a part of the show by sharing your true paranormal stories by emailing us at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-Q-U-E podcast at gmail.com. In one episode, we discuss the phenomena of the black-eyed kids. Are they ghosts? Aliens? Demons? Maybe jinn? You'll have to tune in to find out. You can find Cryptique everywhere you find Exploring Evil. 
If you want to start your own podcast but need help with the production, I can help. Email me at exploringevil at gmail.com to find out about getting your podcast professionally produced by yours truly. I can provide editing, music, sound effects, and mastering. All you have to do is provide content. Back to Exploring Evil. Alicia Cota de Coin was strangled to death and left to rot on her tile floor. Alicia Gonzalez Castillo was strangled with a wire and left on her bed where her dog laid by her side, confused, until she was found and it remained at her side through police photos. Anna Maria Ticante Corretto was left deceased on her bed with one hand over her purple blouse. Anna Maria Velazquez Diaz was found stiff from rigor mortis, sitting upright at her kitchen table, where she was set to have a conversation with a woman she believed to be a social worker. Celia Vializ Morales was found on her bed, blouse up over her stomach and partially covered with a blanket. Her head was literally black, Make no mistake, these women were brutally murdered, and the crime scene photos are quite gruesome. Dolores Concepcion Silva Calva was strangled with a polka dot kerchief she wore around her neck that day. She was found with a large tear in her pants and must have put up quite a fight. Emma Armenta Aguayo was found crumpled in a heap on the side of her bed, strangled with a belt from her own robe. Emma Reyes Pena was found on a tile floor, strangled with a garrote. Estela Cantoral Trejo was found dead in an easy chair with a rug thrown up over her legs. In one case, a large woman in a red blouse was seen leaving the home of a murdered woman. Guadalupe Oliver Contreras was strangled with her own pantyhose knotted around her throat. Julia Vera Duplan was apparently murdered with a lace tablecloth being slung around her neck. These murders were vicious and brazen, and the women were killed with everyday objects they had in their own homes. Maria de Los Angeles Repair Hernandez was discovered sitting awkwardly against her TV stand, throttled by a scarf. Maria Elisa Perez Moreno was also strangled with a polka dot kerchief. Maria Guadalupe de la Vega Morales was found bound and choked, carelessly tossed on a concrete floor like a piece of garbage. I could go on and on, but you get the point. These women were no threat, and only a coward attacks the most helpless victims in our society. But what kind of man would attack old ladies? And why? There were fingerprints left at crime scenes, but the police had no matches on file. Mexico City prosecutors said fingerprint evidence was linked to at least 10 of the as many as 48 murders attributed to the killer. Police began checking the fingerprints of bodies in the city's morgues in the apparent belief that Mata Viejitas might have committed suicide. 
A major breakthrough in the case occurred on the 25th of January, 2006, when a suspect was arrested fleeing from the home of the serial killer's latest victim, Ana Maria de los Reyes Alfaro. A boarder at her house walked in as the killer was fleeing the scene and called police. She had been strangled with a stethoscope. Police said they found in the suspect's possession a stethoscope, social benefits papers, and a social worker's identification card. Investigators thought the killer used these items to gain entry to victims' homes by pretending to be a government employee who could sign them up to welfare programs. Well, that certainly checked all of the boxes investigators had attributed to the killer. Well, all except one. Their murderer, La Mata Viejitas, wasn't a transvestite like the ones police had been investigating. In fact, the killer wasn't even a man. La Mata Viejitas was a woman, but not just your average, everyday woman. She was the silent lady. Who is the silent lady? I'm glad you asked. The silent lady was actually a 49-year-old Mexican lucha libre wrestler. In her luchadora persona, she wore a pink and yellow spandex leotard with a bedazzled butterfly face mask. In case you don't know, lucha libre wrestlers almost always wear masks, with Rey Mysterio Jr. of the WWE being the most well-known throughout the world. Her finishing move... Almost all wrestlers worth their salt have finishing moves, was, you guessed it, a rear naked choke. You can't make this stuff up. Sometimes, life imitates art. She was extremely well-muscled, especially fit, as you would imagine, especially for a 49-year-old woman, and could reportedly bench press well over 200 pounds. So none of her victims ever stood a chance. Her given name was Juana Barraza. She seems to have been unusually methodical about choosing her victims. She managed to acquire a list of women who were on government assistance programs. Then, she used this list to identify elderly women who lived alone and used fake credentials to pretend she was a nurse sent by the government to check their vital signs. By the time she left, her victim's blood pressure was always zero over zero. But police said the broad-shouldered Miss Barraza resembled composite profiles of the suspects and a wax mock-up with a similar short reddish haircut and facial mole. So police had their murderer in custody, finally, after up to 48 lovely grandmothers, and in some cases great-grandmothers, met their doom at the hands of the silent lady. But why would a successful Lucha Libre wrestler want to murder old ladies? Remember when I said we would have a well-defined turning point in the killer's life that would ultimately lead them on a path of destruction? Sometimes it's a head injury. Sometimes it's drugs. Sometimes it's mental illness. Well, Rana Barraza's story starts with her own tragedy. While it's hard to sympathize with someone who may have killed up to 48 elderly ladies, Juana's story is one of the saddest I've ever heard, and certainly the saddest I've ever covered on Exploring Evil. Juana grew up in abject poverty 
in a rural slum north of Mexico City. Juana's mother, Justa Sampiera, has to bear some of the responsibility in the deaths of Juana's victims, because Juana herself was a victim. She may not have been a murder victim, but some crimes kill your soul and leave the body alive. Juana's mother beat her every chance she got, when she was sober enough to stand up, that is. You see, Juana's mother was an alcoholic, a victim of addiction. But her mother was particularly cruel and would literally do anything for a drink. Anything. You see, when Juana was just 13 years old, when a girl is blossoming into a lady, when she really needs her mother, even if she's an abusive alcoholic, she wasn't there for her. That wasn't Juana's fate. Juana's mother sold her into the sex slave trade, reportedly for three beers. She was sold to a monster named Jose Lugo. To Juana, it didn't even seem real. Nobody could be that cruel, but it was true. Imagine how you would feel if your own mother sold you to a man so evil I don't even have the words to describe. Juana waited. She waited for her mother to come and save her and tell her she loved her and it was just a misunderstanding. She waited for her stepfather to come and rescue her from this nightmare. She waited for someone, anyone, to take her away from this tragic fate that had befallen her. She waited for someone to come save her when she was tied to his bed and raped over and over and over. But no one came. No one cared. She waited for help as his friends took turns, and when she had an abortion, and when she was forced to give birth to his children. She waited for five long years until her uncles finally tracked her down and rescued her. Some would consider it a fate more cruel than death. By then, Juana was broken. The population of Mexico is approximately 80% Catholic. I wonder how God is going to judge this one. As it turned out, Juana's mother had been lying to the rest of the family this entire time, saying that Juana had just left with her rapist of her own free will. But somehow, Juana survived. She was a popcorn vendor on the streets of Mexico City by day and a wrestler by night. Had the story ended there, it would be a story of triumph, but we know how it turned out. Dubbed the Mata Viejitas, or Little Old Lady Killer, Juana Barraza was arrested in January 2006 after she was seen hurrying from the house of her last victim, the only murder she has confessed to. After her arrest, police found an altar in her home dedicated to the death cult figure Santa Muerte, a folk saint popular with thieves and drug smugglers. The judge heard evidence that Barraza cruised public places in search of elderly women on their own. She sometimes gained their trust and got access to their homes by helping with their shopping bags and requesting cleaning work. 
On other occasions, she pretended to be a nurse or social worker, offering a free checkup or information about benefits. The prosecution said Barraza used objects such as phone cables, tights, or the stethoscope she often carried with her to strangle her victims. Police believe she killed elderly women to release the rage she harbored against her abusive alcoholic mother that sold her to a sex trafficker. Barraza showed little emotion as she heard the verdict. May God forgive you and not forget me, she said adding that she would appeal against all but one of the convictions. In the end, it was the unexpected arrival of a lodger, just as Barraza was leaving the house, where his 82-year-old landlady lay dead, that triggered her arrest. On March 31, 2008, she was found guilty on 16 charges of murder and aggravated burglary, including 11 separate counts of murder. She was sentenced to 759 years in prison. Since sentences imposed in Mexican courts are generally served concurrently, but the maximum sentence under Mexican law is 60 years, she will most likely serve the full sentence in prison. So, Juana sits imprisoned again at Santa Marte Acatitla Women's Prison, where sexual assaults of the female inmates are as common as amateur lucha libre matches on the back streets of Mexico City. Look, I'm not saying she should be out on the streets or that she doesn't deserve to be in prison, but in the world of true crime, the victimizers are almost always triggered because they were once the victims themselves. So that's it for Exploring Evil tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Don't let strangers into your house no matter what they promise. Don't forget to email your case suggestions to exploringevil at gmail.com and hit me up if you want to talk about production of your podcast. Click, subscribe, and leave a review. Tell all your friends and enemies about the show. Take Cryptique, my paranormal podcast, for a test drive, too. Remember, you can find it everywhere you find Exploring Evil. Thanks again, Emilio, for suggesting this case. Have a wonderful night.